Happy New Year, and it is indeed a very happy new year here in the Cook family. It's official. I am a grandma, and I am loving it. It's awesome. (laughs) Our grandson, David William, was born on Tuesday, December 15th at just before 3 o'clock to my daughter, Vienna, and her husband, Dave. And uh, in true genealogical form, they named him first after his daddy and then after his grandpa, my husband, Bill. So he was very happy about that. (laughs) And if you follow me on Facebook, then you've seen the photo that I posted of me holding the little bundle of joy. He is handsome and healthy, and he's getting bigger every day. I just uh, actually just got home from spending the day with him and his mommy. You know, watching a new branch of the family getting added on to the family tree is wonderful. And I know that being a grandma is definitely going to be fantastic. So 2010 is a year I am absolutely looking forward to. And happy news abounds this last week. Um, I also have the pleasure of announcing some contest winners. First, we have the winner of the Family Tree Magazine, Organize Your Genealogy Life CD. Now, in the November 30th, 2009 Genealogy Gems email newsletter, I included a short slideshow video that told you about how to enter for the CD. Uh, my guest in that episode 76 was David Wrencher. He's head genealogist at Family Search. And in that episode, he gave a real look into the future and how genealogy and technology will continue to merge in some pretty amazing ways. So your task was to call into the voicemail line and leave a message with your thoughts on the subject. And Carol Berryman was randomly selected among those who left messages. Yes, this is Carol Berryman. Responding to your request for information about new technology for genealogy, finding stuff on the Internet is great, and it saves a lot of travel time as well as money. Going places until you know for certain what you want. I think this is really a great thing for genealogy and look forward to increased resources coming up in the future. Thank you. Congratulations, Carol, and your CD is on its way to you in the mail. And I encourage the rest of you to keep an eye on the newsletter and be sure and view those little videos that I include in there. Not only are you going to pick up some great gems, but you might also win a little something to help you with your genealogy research. And we have one more winner here. In the December 14th email newsletter, I told you about an exciting event coming up in Mesa, Arizona in January of 2010. It's the Family History Expo, and we've just confirmed that we'll be doing a taping of the Genealogy Gems podcast in front of a live audience at the banquet being held on Friday night, January 22nd of 2010 at 6.30 p.m. Now, I am very excited about this. In addition to enjoying a wonderful dinner, you'll have a chance to visit with your favorite genealogy bloggers who'll be seated at the various tables. And the main event is going to be the live show. And the theme is going to be using online social media for genealogy. Now, we have a terrific lineup for you. We've got genealogy blogger extraordinaire Thomas McKenty of the Genia Blogger site and Gina Philibert Ortega, who runs the genealogy social networking site Genealogy Wise. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great evening with lots of gifts and giveaways. 
Now, in a recent newsletter, I ran a contest to give away an admission ticket to the conference. It's valued at $75. Well, the winner was the first person to email me after they received the newsletter confirming that they could attend the conference in Mesa and that they would like to go. So being quick to open and read the newsletter can really pay off. And this time, it's paying off for A.C. Ivory of Utah. He is the winner of the full admission ticket to the Mesa Family History Expo. Congratulations, AC. And actually, it turns out I have a second ticket. I was really excited to find out I've got two tickets to give away. And that meant that the second person to send me an email also was a winner. And that is Patty Mitchell of Arizona. So congrats, Patty. And I look forward to seeing both of you there at the conference. And if you'd like to register for the Family History Expo in Mesa, Arizona, as well as get your ticket for the banquet, just go to fhexpos.com and be sure to get those banquet tickets right away because uh, seating is going to be limited for that event and it promises to be very fun, very different. Not your traditional genealogy conference banquet. It's going to be a ton of fun. And speaking of upcoming conferences, I am very happy also to announce that for the first time, I am going to be speaking at the Ontario Genealogical Society Conference in Toronto, Canada. And they've just announced that the registration has opened now for the conference. It's going to be held May 14th through the 16th of 2010. Now, I've never been to this conference before, but I have heard about it. And I have heard it's terrific. I can't wait to be a part of it. They've put together an amazing conference lineup with more sessions, I guess, than they've had before. And they're offering pre-conference programs on Thursday, May 13th. You can participate in a hands-on research excursion or something called Libraries and Genealogy, which is being presented in conjunction with the Ontario Library Association. Now, I'm going to be there. They're going to keep me busy on Saturday, December 15th. I'll be teaching three different classes. First one is Genealogy Podcasts 101, free online radio shows for researchers. Of course, you guys are all firsthand experts at that. And uh, second, we're going to have What You Must Know to Save Your Research from Destruction. And finally, tap into your inner private eye, tracking down living relatives. The conference is going to be held at the Doubletree Hilton at the Toronto Airport. So if you want more information, head over to torontofamilyhistory.org slash 2010. You'll find everything you need right there. And I also want to say thank you to Lynn Palermo of the Armchair Genealogist for the shout out on her blog post called Follow Friday, my top five, a year in review. Lynn lists the Genealogy Gems news blog and podcast as one of her top five sites that she follows for genealogy, along with some other great sites, including Thomas McKinty's Genia Bloggers blog. So you can check out Lynn's blog at thearmchairgenealogist.com. Oh, and I want to be sure and tell you, premium members out there, um, something else that's new. Premium podcast episodes can now be automatically downloaded to iTunes. This is new. This is big. I have been working on it for quite a while. Now, in the December 14th, 2009 newsletter, I included a real short video showing you how to subscribe to the premium podcast episodes in iTunes if you're a member using your member password. 
iTunes is a really convenient way to get and listen to the shows, whether you download them to your iPod or if you just want to listen to them from the free iTunes media player. This is so slick. And members have been writing in, and they've asked me for it, and now they're writing in saying that they love it. And I'm really glad to hear that. It sounds like it's working well. And as you can tell, you know, there's a lot of news, and the hottest items are in that Genealogy Gems podcast newsletter. And it's even better now that we can include short, informative videos that you can access right from the newsletter. The videos uh, include contests, online tutorials showing you how to do things right there on your computer, and anything else that I want to be able to not only tell you about, but show you. So if you'd like to get the free newsletter emailed to you, just go to genealogygems.tv, click the sign up button on the left hand side of the homepage, and we'll get that right out to you. And of course, with that first email that you get, there'll be a link you can download uh, as a gift for signing up the 20 page ebook. It's all about Google research strategies for the family historians. That's yours free when you sign up for the newsletter. Okay, Well, finally, the big news. I know, big news, babies, (laughs) all these things going on. I don't know, must be end of the year, beginning of the year rush. But um, a lot of projects have been coming together lately. I was thrilled to get the premium podcast feed up and running. But we've got something even bigger I'm hoping that you're really going to enjoy. The big news around here is that on December 18th, the brand new Genealogy Gems podcast iPhone app was released. It is the very first genealogy iPhone, iSlash, iTouch podcast app uh, available, and it is available for the Genealogy Gems podcast. Seems like mobile technology is definitely the wave of the future, getting things onto your cell phone. Uh, So we wanted to make sure that the podcast was right out there out front. The app can be used on both the iPhone and the iPod Touch, which is actually what I have. I don't have an iPhone, but I do have an iTouch. And I was very excited to find out, you know, they always say apps for iPhone, but really they also can be used on the iTouch as well. And so I was enjoying the apps so much that I've been downloading from the app store at iTunes. I thought, doggone it, (laughs) Genealogy Gems needs its own app. And it's very, very cool because it streams the podcast And what that means is the episodes aren't taking up valuable memory on your handheld device. It's being streamed by your internet connection. And there's also buttons on there. You know, you can click and you can go right to the website. If you've got internet access, you can go right to the website there from the show. You can call me. It'll it'll dial you in if you've got an iPhone. Um, Oh, my gosh. You can email all kinds of things. And, of course, what's really neat, too, is that the show notes are included. And, in fact, um, you know, I got an email from Susan Moss. She's a longtime listener. She says, Lisa, you have outdone yourself with a new app. I downloaded it this morning, and it is fabulous. My first thought was, if I only could see the show notes. And there they were. <laughs> yes, they were, Susan. That's one of the great things about it. So congrats, and congrats on that new, beautiful grandbaby. See you soon. Well, Susan's going to be at the Family History Expo in Mesa, Arizona. And thank you, Susan. I've been enjoying my new grandbaby. And I am so glad that you are enjoying the app. Gosh, you got it quick. (laughs) I think I barely got out there and your email came racing into my inbox and let me know that you'd found it. So that is really cool. In addition to the, like I said, the episodes and the fact that you can get those show notes right there, you don't have to go digging around the website. There's also something called bonus content. And in some areas of it, it's called extras. 
You can get things like wallpaper. I've I've created some custom wallpaper images that you can download. So you can have them kind of in the background of your iPhone or your iTouch. Um, there's also exclusive um, audio and video content. And the neat thing is, is, you know, I've got some initial things added to the app when I first got it launched. And then as we produce each episode and get it published, we'll be adding extra content to that as well. And I say we because <laughs> it's it's getting to be a bigger enterprise around here and um, lots of really fun things happening. I've had I have some terrific folks who are helping me get this thing up and running. So we're going to be loading it up with some extra content. So the neat thing is, is that you're going to be getting this delivered to you on your iTouch or your iPhone as it's being produced. So it's going to be new stuff popping up all the time. Pretty fun. If you do by chance have an iTouch or an iPhone and you decide to uh, give it a whirl, oh, do send me an email at genealogygemspodcast at gmail.com and let me know what you think. I would love your ideas. I, if you have any suggestions for things you would like to see on bonus content, uh, we're thinking about putting together some cheat sheets, things that you can kind of carry with you and be able to use while you're out researching. So um, those kinds of ideas. But if there's something that comes to mind, send me an email and let me know, and we'll put that in the queue. Okay, well, there's been a ton of Genealogy Gems news. Let's get out into the genealogy world and find out what the news is out there. Now, Uh, I've noticed a couple things. Uh, First of all, it looks like Ancestry.com has very kind of quietly launched a new online website to promote the Ancestry online family trees. Uh, It's called Mundia, M-U-N-D-I-A. I think that's how you pronounce it. And you can find it at an interesting website address, us.mundia.com. Now, at first glance, it looks like its primary purpose, you know, the primary purpose of this site is to provide another way to market ancestry to people um, to get them to build a family tree. That's the key thing. They don't even make a big deal about the fact that it's ancestry. They're just saying, hey, come and try and build your your tree for free. And then they funnel them in to ancestry from there, which I guess makes sense. It's a good marketing strategy. And certainly, If somebody's interested in building their family tree, they're going to be interested in the records that Ancestry might be able to provide. It's an interesting name choice uh, for a family history site. I actually, I thought, you know, it almost sounds like the name of something. So I went looking it up on Wikipedia. And Mundia is a town in India. So who knows? Maybe it's uh, to provide an inroad into the Indian market. But I'm sure that uh, we'll hear more from Ancestry about it. In fact, I'm heading to Ancestry this weekend, as a matter of fact, for a little behind-the-scenes tour. So stay tuned, because uh, you two are going to hear about the -the behind-the-scenes happenings at Ancestry here very soon on the podcast. Also, Ancestry has announced the release of new and improved images for the U.S. federal census. Yay! We like that. (laughs) Is there nothing worse than finally finding the the census page that you want so desperately and you know that your person is there and you can't read it? Oh my gosh, it drives you crazy. I mean, it's bad enough if somebody transcribes it improperly and it takes you a while to find it, but wow, when you you can kind of just see a hint of it, but Everything else is smudged. It's awful. Well, supposedly, these new and improved census images are really going to help that situation. Last year, they conducted a survey. And the top thing, not surprising, on the wish list of Ancestry.com members was improved census images. They've got clearer images for 1790 all the way through the 1900 census. And they are working on 1910 through 1930. 
They've also posted better indexes, which is great as well, for 1850, um, 60, 1870, and 1900. All the images are supposed to have a cleaner, crisper look, which may allow you to read those names that are hard to read in that old version of the uh, census, either because they were too light or too dark, too blurry, too faded, or covered in tape, whatever the situation was. Wouldn't that be nice to be able to read one of those pages that you just had to leave in frustration in the past because you couldn't make it out? So if you've had a hard time finding your ancestor in the census, might be time to head back to Ancestry and do another search again. And the nice thing is that images that you've already attached to your family trees will be automatically updated as well. And I want to mention while we're talking about Ancestry that um, I have actually joined with Ancestry as an affiliate. Now, the thing about that is, is that you really cannot talk about genealogy without talking about Ancestry. But I want you to know, (laughs) I am going to stay unbiased to the best of my ability. I mean, the truth is, if you're looking for records, you're probably going to end up at Ancestry. Am I right? I know I'm there. Um, But not everybody's there yet. And the thing is, if you're going to uh, learn about it on the show and that kind of thing, being an affiliate gives me the opportunity for Ancestry to help support the show. It's kind of like being a sponsor, I guess. So, If you hear me talking about it and you are interested in trying out their free trial, uh, whether it's that, you don't have to spend any money, or whether you decide to make a purchase and and get a subscription there as well, if you do that through the link on my website, then that supports this free podcast. So everybody wins. Again, it's kind of like the Amazon thing. And um, I really appreciate that because I know that you guys, you know, we're, we're here, we're talking about these things. And there's going to come a point where you want to become a member. And rather than just going there directly, and it doesn't really benefit anybody, uh, why not go ahead and click through the link to Ancestry from the Genealogy Gems podcast website. And uh, still, there's no obligation once you get there. But the nice thing is, if you do decide to get a subscription, it does benefit the show, helps me keep this puppy up and running (laughs) and uh, get these new endeavors launched. So I really, really appreciate that. So you'll find a link to Ancestry. Anytime you see an Ancestry ad or anything, don't be nervous about it. It didn't just get thrown there by some outside spammer. I put it there. (laughs) It's safe. You can use it as kind of your portal to get to the website. And eventually what I'm going to do is I think I'm going to set up kind of a support the show Um, button on the front page of the website at genealogygems.tv. When you click that, you'll have everything there. So Amazon will be there. If you want to buy on Amazon and support the show, awesome. You can can click on it and go through it, and then you'll find Amazon and and anybody else that I arranged an affiliate association with. So anyway, uh, no pressure, and and there's no obligation. And certainly, you know, if if they do something that you need to know about that isn't in the best light, you're still going to hear about it. Uh, I want to get the information out there to you. But like I say, how can you talk genealogy if you don't talk about the major websites involved? So enough said on that. And speaking of the major websites involved, FamilySearch.org. Now, they have some new projects for you. Nice thing about that site, eh, it's free. What's better than that? They are working on Canadian British Columbia death records. These are 1872 all the way through 1986. This is part three of a project that they're working on. And that's a new project over there. Also, more new projects at Family Search. U.S. in Indiana, they've got Clark County marriages, 1811 through 1959. 
They are working on the 1875 state census for Minnesota and part two of the project for the 1905 state census for Rhode Island. They are also working on a part two of the project 1935 state census for South Dakota. And finally, the folks over at genealogybank.com have added some newspaper pages online for 117 newspapers. Oh, I love newspapers. And 32 states are represented. Uh, This includes the Augusta Chronicle in Georgia, the Seattle Daily Times, City Gazette in South Carolina, um, New York Herald, the New York Herald Tribune, the North Philly Free Press, and the Political Digest in Pennsylvania. Gosh, it's a busy time of year. I feel like I'm just talking my head off, but it's exciting to see so many things going on. I know that you have been busy, too, and um, we're going to hear from you. That's coming up next at The Mailbox. Would you like to power boost your genealogy research and break through those brick walls? Well, here's your answer. Become a Genealogy Gems Premium Member. You'll get members-only episodes every month packed with great tips that you can use right away and instructional videos walking you through the best internet tools step-by-step. Our current video series is Solving Your Family History Mysteries with Google Earth. And we also have Google, a gold mine of genealogy gems that helps you get the most out of Google. If you enjoy the Genealogy Gems podcast, then I promise you are going to love being a Genealogy Gems premium member. Hi, Lisa. This is Sue Edminster calling from Granite Falls, Washington. I just became a premium member a few days ago, and tonight began to explore all what's available in members. All I'm saying, wow, I'm so impressed and very excited about all the how-to-do-it practical advice. Thank you very much. To become a premium member, go to the website at genealogygems.tv and click the Join Today button. Signing up is quick and easy, and online payment is safe and secure. You'll get instant access to the members-only podcast episodes and videos for an entire year. Again, just go to genealogygems.tv and click the blue Join Today button. Genealogy Gems Membership. It's where you belong. Well, let's see what we have here in the mailbox. Oh, well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we just launched the feed for the current premium podcast episodes so that members of the Genealogy Gems Premium Podcast can download those easily to iTunes. Well, premium member Patty Wilcox writes in to say, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome, Patty. (laughs) She says, I'm so happy with the iTunes feed for premium members. I love being able to easily add to iTunes, and now maybe I'll be the first to listen to new episodes. And she says, I just want to let you know, even though I'm a Mac user, I use Firefox or Google Chrome for my browser, usually. If somebody's using Firefox, there is no Add to iTunes button, which I talk about in the instructions for the premium members. Um, That's supposed to be on the right-hand side of the page, but I guess it doesn't appear there if you have Firefox. She says, I needed to open up my Safari browser to add to iTunes, which is not a problem. Just knew that you'd want to know if you didn't already. No, I didn't. That's great to know because I know a lot of you use Firefox. So Patty says, thanks again. Love the specifics in newspapers in the last podcast. Merry Christmas, Patty Wilcox. Well, you are so welcome, Patty. And I thought that this might be a nice little gift to premium members. So Merry Christmas as well. 
I've confessed before that I am no computer programmer, but thankfully I know people who are. So we just kept hammering away at it and it is up and running. So I am really glad to hear that you're enjoying it. And thank you so much for letting me know about the Firefox tip um, for our Mac users. So those of you who are premium members who are on Mac, just use your Safari to add the premium feed address to iTunes that first time. Okay, we got some genealogy questions. It says, longtime listener Richard Yale has a question about adoption research. And I got to meet Richard at the Reading Family History Expo this last year. That was fun. Okay, Richard says, an ex-brother-in-law's father had two brothers born in 1914 and 1916 who were placed in an orphanage in Stockton, California in an unknown year. I'd guess between 1920 and 1930. The family is looking for information on these two brothers, but don't know where to start. I can't find either of them in the 1920 or 1930 census, nor their parents for that matter. They moved from New Mexico to Bakersfield, California by 1910, and apparently to Stockton, California at some point later. Again, my guess is after the death of the mother, but we don't know that date. Um, The location of the two orphans are not known. I suppose that it's possible that they took the name of their adoptive parents, which could be a problem. The original surname is Torres, which is also reasonably common. Any suggestions on where to start looking for these two? Well, Richard, um, I actually have very little experience with adoption research, but I do have a couple of ideas in mind just in terms of thinking about the locality uh, where you're trying to search. Try tracing the parents, of course, as completely as you can particularly their deaths, in case the biological sons are mentioned, perhaps in their obituaries or funeral notices. I would need more details on the people to make suggestions on how to locate them in the 1920 and 1930 census. But don't give up on that. Chances are that they're there, just not how you expect to find them. Um, You'll also want to make a comprehensive list of the orphanages in Stockton in that time. And here are some leads for you that I found. Do a search in Google Books. I tried one. I did San Joaquin County in quotation marks to keep that all together. Then the plus sign, Stockton, and the plus sign, Orphanage. And that actually brought up several books that seemed to have information about orphanages back in that time period. Uh, There's the Benevolent Institutions publication from 1910. I will have a link for that in the show notes. And you can get the full text of that as well. And also, the San Joaquin County U.S. Gen website is currently under construction, but it looks like that they plan on providing information about adoptions in the, in the county. So be sure and check back with them. And again, I'll have a link to the San Joaquin County U.S. Gen website um, in the show notes. But, you know, not everybody can be an expert in everything. And maybe some of you out there listening have some experience with this type of search and you can help Richard out. So, if you have any strategies for him, send them to me at genealogygemspodcast at gmail.com, and I will pass those along on the next episode of the podcast, and we'll see if we can't get him a little more genealogical luck. But in the meantime, Richard, best of luck on your search, and do let us know how it goes. Aya Loki um, wrote in, she asks, can you request a death certificate from a state without knowing the person's date of death? I have several ancestors that I know the date of death, but I haven't a clue as to when they died. Well, the answer is you can always try. Some offices will research for free, particularly if they are computerized, and that won't be a problem. 
but some are going to reply and let you know what the cost would be to do that kind of a search for you. And then you would need to send them that payment first, and then they'll do a more in-depth search without that information. And of course, finally, some of them are going to return your request and just tell you that they can't do it without the date. Uh, And that's fine. You can just keep searching, see if you can't find that date in a different way. But, you know, my mantra is it never hurts to ask. Ask, ask, ask. (laughs) And when you're especially nice, people are awfully nice out there and oftentimes will be willing to help you out. And got some emails about the Genealogy Gems toolbar. Um, Lots of people using the toolbar. It's amazing to see. It's it's fun. I'm using it all the time. It's crazy. I've got it across my browser, and sometimes I'll need to go and check what was in that episode or whatever, and I can just click my buttons, and I'm there, and it's great. Well, listener Kathy Ott wrote in, and she has a question about the toolbar. She writes, I just watched your short video in the newsletter about the toolbar. If I download the toolbar, is there a way to hide or deselect it if I decide I don't want it to appear? And is there a way to completely delete it if I decide it doesn't work for me? I'm a Mac user. I just signed up for the premium podcast and look forward to listening to them. Kathy Ott. Well, Kathy, that's a very good question. And those are the kinds of questions that pop up anytime you find a new tool like this online and and you got to think about downloading it. And I know sometimes it can be frustrating because you download something and then you decide later, oh, I don't need that or I'm going to do something else and you cannot get rid of it. I totally understand. Well, I'm pretty sure you'll want to hang on to the toolbar. I want to assure you that it's very easy to uninstall the toolbar. In fact, it was one of the first things I did after I created it because I wanted to be sure that it could be cleanly removed and cleanly added. So here's how to do that on a Mac. Uh, In the Finder, click on Applications, that's under the Places menu, and there will likely be a Toolbar folder there that was created when you downloaded the Toolbar. You just click on that, and there you should find the Genealogy Gems Podcast Toolbar folder. Click on that, and just click on the Uninstall icon. That Uninstall icon actually downloads when you're downloading the toolbar right up front. So it's there from the beginning. You can use it at any time to remove the toolbar. On a PC, just open up the Add or Remove Programs folder in the control panel, and you'll find the Genealogy Gems podcast toolbar listed there. Click on that, and then just click the Remove button. And that's how I did it on uh, Windows XP, and I'm sure, I'm pretty sure it's similar in Vista or Windows 7. Now, I'm a fairly new Mac user, so I'm not sure how to hide the toolbar on a Mac. I admit that. (laughs) But I do know that you can do that on a PC. You just click on View from the menu and unclick the toolbar and it disappears. It's great. So if you need a little more real estate space on on your window when you're working on something... You can make the toolbar disappear, then just go back under View and um, and click it again to make it reappear. And longtime listener and friend of the show, premium member Tim Cox, wrote in with some great suggestions for the toolbar. I've asked you guys for those, and he's been sending me a couple that I have absolutely implemented. And at his suggestion, I've added a couple of more free websites to the free sites button. The first is County Finder at RootsWeb. This is really slick. Click the link, and you'll be taken to a page where you just enter the town and the state, and it gives you the current county, which, of course, you're going to need to know in order to use sites like US Gen Web or uh, to order records. And Tim also recommended that I, that I add a previous gem that I've talked about here on the show. It's called tinyurl.com. 
If you write anything, your society newsletter, emails, a family history blog, it is so much cleaner and nicer to include just a little seven-character website address when you're talking about uh, a particular website page to your reader than to have this incredibly long and crazy web page address that you see so often. Well, with the tiny URL website, you can just copy that long, crazy address, paste it into the box on the tiny URL page, and it converts it to a nice little, neat, seven-character address. It works great, very slick, and a helpful addition to the free sites button. So thank you very much, Tim. And over the New Year's, I got a little bit inspired by Tim's suggestion. I decided to beef up the toolbar search box as well. Now, while you may already have a Google search box on your existing internet browser, that's possible, the Genealogy Gems podcast toolbar search box can search Google, but a whole lot more. You just click that little down arrow. The trick to this is look at the search box, then you'll see a go button to the right of it. And there is a down arrow to the right of the go button. It's right next to the highlighter. If you click that, you'll have a drop down list of all kinds of websites that you can search. Now, I've always given you the option to turn the search box into a Genealogy Gems website search. So if you select Genealogy Gems, whatever you search in that, in that little search box goes and searches my entire website and gives you the results. But now you can also turn the search box into a custom search field just for WorldCat or Google Books or Google News Archive. Uh, we've got the Library of Congress on there. David Rumsey Historical Maps. I love his maps. Uh, we've been talking a lot about those on the, the premium shows about Google Earth. Also, the U.S. Bureau of Land Management website. You can search Wikipedia and the National Archives in the US, the UK and Australia, because we got lots of listeners in all those locations. So your toolbar search box is a relative search chameleon, you can be anywhere on the web. And if you go to that little arrow, click down and you think, well, you know, I really want to search for a land record or whatever, select US Bureau of Land Management, you don't even have to be on their website, put in your search terms right there in the toolbar box. And you'll be searching the entire website, just their website. Gosh, I'm using that free toolbar constantly now. And uh, with these new family history features, it's just becoming more and more a part of my daily research. So if you think of something that you would like to see on that free Genealogy Gems toolbar, send me your ideas like Tim did. They're great. Uh, to genealogygemspodcast at gmail.com. And you just might see it pop up on the toolbar. Uh, the neat thing is I can make changes here from my office and they will automatically show up on your toolbar, even if you've already downloaded it. And of course, if you would like to download the free toolbar, just go to the genealogy gems podcast dot our toolbar dot com and click the green download button. Pretty easy and pretty slick. And Cheryl from Flagstaff, Arizona, also had some thoughts on the toolbar and left a comment on the voicemail line. Here's Cheryl. Hi, Lisa. This is Cheryl in Flagstaff, Arizona. Thanks for the great instructional video in the most recent newsletter describing how to download the Genealogy Gems toolbar. I've now done so, and it's kind of funny because even when I'm so busy that I don't have a moment to spend on family history, I still feel connected. 
I can just click on the toolbar and go directly to your homepage or a blog or a gym or a free site. And just those few minutes momentarily satisfy my need for a genealogy fix to keep my mind in the game until the time when I can once again give it my undivided attention. So thank you for creating and sharing the toolbar. I look forward to glancing up at it and seeing alerts of new messages and gems. Thanks, Cheryl. The toolbar has been a lot of fun, and I'm so glad that you're enjoying it. And it's been really nice having that alerts feature, especially these last couple of weeks, because there have been so many short notice freebies out there on the internet for genealogy records. And I've been able to notify toolbar users instantly so that you guys can take advantage of it. So it's been a lot of fun. Now, over at Facebook, I got a posting from Tony Bear. He left the following question on my Facebook profile. Happy New Year, Lisa. Do you have any ideas or gems about how to remove photos from the sticky pages from 70s and 80s albums? Oh, yuck. <laughs> we all know what those are. I've heard hair dryers and dental floss, but both have potential to be destructive. Uh, well, I posted back to Tony and wanted to share it here on the show. You know, uh, I haven't heard of the, the dental floss thing. I, I guess you could use that. But one time I did buy a bottle of remover. It was specifically for removing those photographs from sticky pages. And you squeezed it and stuff came out. And then there was a little scraper on the end and you could scrape up the picture. And I know it doesn't sound very good. It didn't work very good either. <laughs> so since the goal of the preservationist is first and foremost, do no harm, I opted just to go and scan the entire page at high resolution. And then I just cropped them each individually in my photo editor. They can be digitally organized and stored, and of course, I can also reprint them. The downside, of course, is that anything written on the backs remains a mystery, but at least, you know, those pictures are still safe and secure. And oh, those, those sticky page albums, that was one idea that went really, really wrong. <laughs> I mean, oh, goodness, I wonder what ever happened to the guy who invented those things. Anyway, thank goodness they're gone. Okay. Uh, a Christmas gem. Oh, I love this email. I got this from Melanie Duncan. She writes, Dear Lisa, I have enjoyed listening to your Genealogy Gems podcast. I found it several weeks ago, and I am working my way through them while I'm at work. I'm writing to share an exciting discovery that was made on Christmas Day this year. My family and I were sitting around the dinner table at my aunt and uncle's house when home movies came up in conversation. My uncle went into the next room, and he found one of the VHS tapes of home movies they have. It was on Christmas 1988. During the next several minutes, all of us ended up sitting around the family room, watching ourselves as we were 21 years ago. I was just nine years old. In the video, my great-aunt, grandfather, and great-grandmother were there. Oh, how wonderful. While today, they are not with us anymore. It was particularly nice to see my great-grandmother since she died in 1992 when I was 12. As we sat and watched the tape, there were comments made about what was going on in our lives during that time, and we also got to hear my grandfather read a couple of letters out loud from relatives uh, that do not live near us. This in and of itself was good information for me to be reminded of or learn for the first time as someone interested in genealogy. Then, a little later in the tape, the camera was on the tripod, pointed at me and my two cousins as we played a game. As we watched the tape, however, we realized one could hear adult conversation at the table just a few feet away. 
My great-grandmother, who was born 1895, was talking about her parents and how they were alive during the Civil War and Lincoln's assassination. If only I had realized at nine years old what a wealth of information was being shared. I hope to get a copy of this home movie on DVD and maybe also have the voice of my great-grandmother isolated so that I can soak it in and what she had to say as well as possible. Anyway, I just thought you would appreciate this treasure that was discovered. I have always enjoyed looking at home movies, but now I see even more value in them as a genealogist. Well, I can't make that story any better, can I? (laughs) Melanie, thank you so much for sharing it with us. What a wonderful treasure. Gosh, you can pick up genealogical information in the strangest places. It's so interesting. I can just visualize you guys watching this movie and realizing that you can hear other voices. Uh, what What a great thing that you guys picked up on that. And I hope that you have some good luck in isolating those voices and getting all that information down. What a treasure. Okay, well, we've covered a lot of ground already, but I do have a gem for you. And that is coming up right after this. This gem could actually fit pretty easily into the mailbox. Um, Listener Belinda Slocum sent me an email the other day, and she says, I just had to share this with you because I think you will be as thrilled as I was to watch it. I caught this interview with the pianist Mona Golubek on my local PBS channel last night, and now I must get a copy of this book that she wrote about her mother. She has a fantastic storytelling style, but before I spoil it for you, please watch it. It's only about 15 or 20 minutes long, but it's absolutely fantastic. Well, it was absolutely fantastic. Mona is an amazing, accomplished pianist, um, and just the music itself is wonderful. But she tells a compelling story about her mother, and the merging of the story of her mother and how she had to leave her family in order to to run to safety during World War II is just amazing. And Mona has a way of um, merging the music and the incredibly important role that music played in the family's life and certainly in Mona's life as well as her mother's life um, along with this story. And she puts it together in, I, I think, kind of a live performance format Um, I did a little bit of research on her because, of course, uh, like Belinda, I was really interested in the book. I thought that sounds fantastic. And uh, watched the entire video, and I thought she made a mention that she also has kind of an online radio show. I don't know if this radio show is live over the airwaves, but I think she does it online and has done for quite some time. It's called The Romantic Hours, and you can find it at romantichours.com. What Mona does is she takes pieces of music from history, and then every once in a while, she just kind of blends in with the music and tells the stories of romance that went on behind the scenes with the composer of that music. And at first, I thought, oh, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. How much time will I spend listening to this, you know, while I'm working? Oh, let me tell you, it it was really captivating. And Actually, because she devotes so much of the time to this wonderful, wonderful music, I was able to work and I was doing some research and things while I was listening to the show. But 
really some interesting background stories of composers throughout history that I'd never heard before. So you got to check it out. Uh, this is one of those things where, you know, I'm not one of those who passes along the videos and the, the emails. It's got to be good stuff for me to pass it on an email. And, uh, you know, we know how it is when you get that one relative who sends you 16,000, you know, pieces of email. But I don't do that typically. But this one that Belinda sent me, she was not kidding. It, it was very captivating. I really encourage you, take a few moments out and watch the video of Mona Golubek talking about her mother, her history through World War II, the journey that she made, the the challenges that her family faced, and the role that music played in those, in the development of, of her own character and the career and, and music that she has today. I'll have a link there for you as well for the book. And then go check out The Romantic Hours at romantichours.com. And um, tell me what you think. Would love to hear from you. Genealogy Gems Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, if nothing else, you're going to be tremendously inspired to go back and get those stories um, from your family and to find creative ways to share those stories. What a wonderful thing to take something like music, which was such an important role in a family, and use that as one of the vehicles for telling the story. Um, maybe you've got a, a hobby of some type or, or a business of some type. Maybe there's just something that kind of runs through the veins of your family. Maybe that's the catalyst for, for a creative and interesting way to tell your family's story and incorporate whatever it was that um, captivated your family over the years or played a vital role in their evolution. I know certainly music is something that play, has played a role in our family. As I mentioned to you, my husband's uh, grandfather uh, met his wife playing in the orchestra for the silent theater. And I uh, think I mentioned to you about the audio tape that we found a couple, about a year ago. So um, I'm actually working on a project trying to incorporate that music into kind of a video photograph montage. So there's lots of ways to do this. I think if you take a, take a look at this gem with Mona Golubek, you will be inspired to create a family history gem of your own. Profile America, Sunday, January 10th. The sound recording business became more complicated on this day in 1949 when RCA unveiled the 45 RPM record. So-called long play recordings, either 10 or 12 inches, and turning at 33 RPM, had been around for a few years, but older 78 RPM technology was still used for recording single musical selections. 7-inch 45 soon took over the pop single market and were the favorite of teenagers across the country until 8-track tapes and cassettes came along. More recently, CDs have been the standard, but they are giving way quickly to electronic music downloaded to iPods. Nonetheless, Americans still buy about $7.5 billion worth of CDs each year. Profile America is in its 13th year as a public service of the U.S. Census Bureau. Where does the time go? Huh. Before we say goodbye for this episode, we need to say goodbye to one of the world's longest-running television shows, let alone soap operas. As the World Turns was one of the world's longest-running daytime soap operas, and it's being canceled after 54 years, and that was announced by CBS recently. That show has launched the careers of people like Meg Ryan, and it's going to end in September. The announcement was made on the day of the show's 
13,661st episode. As the World Turns is a daytime drama that was created by a media subsidiary of Procter & Gamble, set up in 1933 to promote its detergent in the first soap operas. Hmm. Why is Lisa Cook talking about As the World Turns? Now, it is a piece of history that's true. Well, it's a piece of my history. Now, if you have been a listener of the Genealogy Gems podcast for a very long time, and in fact, if you were a listener who signed up when I first launched the newsletter, I told you something very important in one of those newsletters that explains the reason why I'm talking about As the World Turns Now. Well, that's because Eileen Fulton, who was an actress, played the part of Lisa Grimaldi on the show. She played that part for 49 years. Well, as I mentioned in the newsletter, gosh, back in 2007, my mom once told me this story. I said to her, I came home from school one day when I was in grade school, and I said, Mom, there must be five Lisas in my classroom. I feel like I'm going to be Lisa M for the rest of my life. (laughs) Why is that? Nobody else has to use the first initial of their last name. And she said, well, there's probably a very good reason for that. And I said, why? And she says, well, see, when you were born, there was a soap opera, and it was called As the World Turns. And uh, just a couple of years before you were born, this new character came on, Lisa Grimaldi, and she was a vixen, and she was stirring up things like we had never seen anything stirred up before. So all of us who were uh, pregnant and raising babies and eating bonbons on the couch watching our As the World Turns, we started naming our babies Lisa, because it was a beautiful name, and it was a name we hadn't heard, you know, much before that time. So anyway, I thought, yeah, right. Well, I went and I asked a girl. Anyway, she checked with her mom. She was named after Lisa Grimaldi on As the World Turns. (laughs) So I know that there's lots of Lisas out there because I've seen your names on the newsletters. And uh, those of you in in my age range, we probably all come from the same name inspiration, and that would be Lisa Grimaldi. So the demise of As the World Turns does play an important part in our personal family history. And uh, that's why I wanted to mention that the show that began in 1956 that followed the lives of families in the fictional Illinois town of Oakdale is coming to an end in September of 2010. And with that, this episode is coming to an end. I want to thank you so much for joining me for episode number 78 of the Genealogy Gems podcast. As always, you can find show notes with information and websites for everything we've talked about on the show today, go to genealogygems.tv. Click the podcast button in the left-hand menu column and follow your way to episode number 78. And you'll be able to click through and find everything you need right there. And as I mentioned before, if you want to get, send me an email, please do so, genealogygemspodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave a voicemail on the voicemail line, see if we might include you here on the show, at 925-272-4021. It is going to be a wonderful year. We've been able to get so many things up and running as we launch the year, and I am really excited to say we have some 
pretty fun and unique things coming up in 2010. That's all I'm going to say now, but I want you to know there are some exciting things coming up. I am so honored that you take the time out whenever the show is published to, to tune in and spend some time with me. I enjoy spending this time with you, and it is going to be a terrific 2010. Thanks so much for listening, friend. I'll talk to you soon. 